0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Girls in Music podcast where we talk to founders and influencers from across the globe. We are joined by two very exciting guests today for episode 32 in the series. I can't believe we're on episode 32 already. Um, And for those of you who don't know about Girls in Movement, this podcast is part of a wider initiative and movement to empower and educate young girls in India. So, of course, all my guests so far have brought amazing stories to the table, but I'm especially excited about today's guest uh, because it seems very relatable. Um, So these two individuals have truly built their name and brand from scratch. Um, We talk to startup founders all the time. And when I read these guys' story, the hard work and kind of hustle truly shines through. So they're currently working on a project called Turbans and Tails. And prior to this, they created the Sing project, which has a huge following and it's uh, kind of explores the ideas around identity within the Sikh religion and culture they then went on to launch a Kickstarter project so I can't wait to find out about that and that started on um, what the doors that kind of opened as well they've also made a real name for themselves in the music industry so working with 50 Cent, Tiny for Jay Sean and a few more so without further ado I welcome Amit and Nauru welcome
1: hello hello how hey are you doing? thank you so much for that incredible introduction <laughs>
0: No worries, I thought I'd keep it a bit short
1: <laughs> you can't see you can't see us flushing on the podcast. That's the great thing about it.
0: <laughs> no worries um so yeah, how are you both? Thank you um so much for joining us on the show
2: we are We are fantastic as always. We are very excited. Our book's coming out soon, so we've got you know loads of things going on on top of all the commercial work that we do, so you know it's all go, but that's exactly how we like it.
0: Amazing yeah what a, what a kind of perfect start to 2019 as well so I really want kind of like the listeners to understand your journey right from the start so uh, Amit let's start with yourself so how did it start when did you guys kind of meet was it at school was it at work um, yeah where did it all begin?
1: Oh I, I love telling your story it's incredible I'll, I'll give you the short version of it so a lot of people may not know but we're actually cousins so um, we met a very long time ago and we actually fell into this industry by accident. So I'll take you back. I was about 19 years old. narook was about 23. Um, it was a warm summer's day. And narook was working on managing a music artist at the time. And he asked my dad if he would do some press pictures for him. Now, that day, my dad couldn't make it. And it was my first go at photography. So my dad said, go on, Amit. Have some fun with with your cousin, narook Go and do the picture. So long story short, we went down to the canal and we done our first photo shoot with the Music artist and we fell in love with photography and we knew right then at that moment, this is it, this is going to be our career. We had no idea how we were going to build a business, we had no idea, you know, what the next few years would be, but we knew that we loved people, we loved making things and we loved working together. So that day by the canal, Amit and Rup was formed and a year later we bought our studio in Acton, we started working harder. we got so many recommendations and bookings and we moved into the music world and now 14, 15 years later we're super busy, we're we're privileged to work with some of the best global brands in the world as well as loads of startups and entrepreneurs and it's just been a whirlwind of a journey and it's it's always nice to, to look back and reflect but we're super grateful to be where we are but we've still got a very long way to go.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, that sounds amazing. I love that it's like come from pure passion and kind of turned into a business. Like that's what we hear kind of all the time, like passion projects turning into like a business venture for individuals. So, yeah, really cool. And to yourself, Nareep. So obviously you're working with like big artists and name, two guys from West London, suddenly working with like Sony EMI. What was that like? Um, It was it
1: was really, really interesting because.
2: I remember when when uh, Amit and I first started, someone said to us, I can't pinpoint who it was, but they said, if you can shoot, you know, you get loads of these Asian wedding magazines. they said, if you can shoot yes. a cover of an Asian wedding magazine, then you guys have made it. And I might be thinking, what? That's that's not that's not our direction <laughs> at all. So when we when we did our first ever shoot uh, for a record label, it was for um, Tayo Cruz, who was signed to Island Records uh, under Universal. Yes. And um, he found us on MySpace, and I remember we wa- We were walking into the building, literally going through the kind of circular doors. And I said to Ami, I go, dude, man, we've done it, mate. We've done it. We're here. We're in a record label. And I could. I can still remember that moment like it was yesterday because we wow. we were, the way we came into the industry was so unconventional, right? We usually like as a, as a photographer, you um. You assist you assist another kind of established a professional photographer, and you get a glimpse into the industry that way. You kind of learn things, you get to experience it. But we had we, we were self-taught, so everything that we went through was new to us. So just going into that record label, having that first meeting, I mean, we undercharged by I'd say fifty <laughs> times, but we charged fifty times more than we charged, right? And we had no idea. All right? I would just say, look, the first shoot, I think we charged them three hundred pounds, and and. The, was wow. it then for a shoot would have been around 15, 20 grand.
0: Right? Wow. So they looked at us
2: like, you guys are going to charge, like they weren't going to say no, right? <laughs> and, but we didn't know any better. So uh, it was it was amazing when you had that first experience. But then obviously we learned from that and we started working with all the big record labels. And it was great because, um, you know, it didn't matter what we looked like or who we were. It was mm-hmm. it was about the quality of our work and people always gave us um, gave us respect. And I guess because we were then we were you know in our kind of mid to late twenties we could still relate with a lot of the artists. They were kind of of a similar age or just a little bit younger. Whereas you know other photographers would have been in their you know late thirties, early forties, fifties. Yeah. So we were seen as a cool guys who really who really understood music artists, and really understood you know. What was cool and what was in fashion, and uh, we're talking a good kind of like you know nine ten years ago. So mm. um, so no, it was it was a brilliant time, and we we really cherished it and, and loved it while while we were doing that.
0: And what sort of was like a highlight project for both of you? Because obviously uh, we'll go on to this later, but you're working on kind of bigger kind of projects around uh, the sing project turbans and tails. But what was a highlight yeah. for project for each of you? So Amit, yourself first, like within the music industry.
1: Um, within the music industry, that's a tricky one. I'd say um, I'd say when we worked with Tiny Temper was brilliant because yeah. we actually met Tiny Temper on Jay Sean's video set, um, and we got cool. talking, and it was kind of like he was on the up then, and we were on the up. And we were like, yeah, let you know, let's maybe we can work together, but. We kind of worked with him and we were with him through that whole process of him going from kind of a bubbling artist that people kind of knew about to then him, you know, becoming a massive star and getting signed with Carlophone. And it was just, it was just nice to be on that journey. And that's the thing we experience today now, like we love being part of, of growing people's brands and, um, I think that, yeah, that really stuck with us. But just, just getting to work with people that you, you actually love and you like their music is, is, is always good fun, you know. So that was for me. How about you, Nuru? Um, I would say when we, because
2: cause, uh, we direct as well, so we're directors and photographers, and we had a job um, out in L.A. And um, back then, budgets were a lot better than they are now in the music industry. The music industry changed a lot, and the budgets have come down a lot. Hence, we don't really do much work in the music game now. But, we had a shoot in LA and we flew business class. We got there, we we had a car, a limousine kind of car pick us up. We stayed in one of the top hotels in LA and we were literally treated like we were celebrities, right? Like the label really put on everything for us. And that was an amazing experience because four years prior to that, we didn't even know much about photography at all. And here we are now being treated like we're kind of photography stars, you know? So I'll always remember that trip to LA cuz it was it was something really special and and in LA being British and working out there you get yeah. so much respect cuz they think well wow, okay you've been brought over here to do this you know and there's tons of great creatives out in America especially in LA so for them to have us fl- have to, for them to have us, us over there they thought we well, must have been something really special so that was something that was really memorable cuz in my mind I'm thinking okay you know we're we're kind of going up the ladder now we're taking a step up you know every time so that was a great experience.
0: And like four years is like such a short space amount of time in terms of like building a business I mean it sounds like a long time when you're in it for four years like of course there's ups and downs but to get to that stage I mean you guys don't even know the industry but maybe that's kind of why you guys were so kind of successful there because you shaped it to what the artists wanted because you meet a lot of kind of producers and directors and they're so firm on i know what's best when actually you guys are like you tell us kind of what you want to do and we'll shape it to what what we can create together sort of thing which is really nice like like you said i'm kind of on that journey with tiny temper and it's exciting because you don't know how big this could get or kind of what the traction is going to be for this video for example so yeah it's really cool
1: cool you know, one thing that's important to us is we'll we'll always back the brave. You know, so if that's a if that's a music artist who has aspirations, if that's an entrepreneur, a startup company, um, we love backing the brave and we love people who embrace taking risks. And I think we live in a world, you know, full of fear, uncertainty, and and, and doubt. So it's really refreshing to meet those people that are willing to roll the dice, that are willing to take a chance, that are willing to invest themselves and you know that they kind of remind us of ourselves so it's 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 kind of it's, it doesn't actually feel like work and some days I'll say group I actually feel guilty because it's like we're, we're you know we're actually getting paid to do what we love and you know that scenario when you go to a party and you ask someone what do you do and they say oh, I'm an accountant or I do this yeah. and you can just see their face drop and and my next question is okay if money were no object what would you really love to do with your life and that's when it gets really interesting for us you know like and I think I think you know one of the things we've learned over the years is it's all about playing to your strengths. You know we all have inherent strengths, but I don't think everyone capitalizes on them. And I think one thing that we've always realized from a young age is that Naree and I are both different. We both have things we're fantastic at. We both have things that we're, we're not great at. But between us, we've worked out a really you know well-oiled machine that we can both play to our strengths and things that we can't cover. You know we're just hiring outside help. So it's kind of really nice. We're in a really privileged position, you know, but at the same time a very exciting position because we're constantly being approached by by new new people, you know. Every weekend, it's 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 a great place to be in for us. We're we're really grateful.
0: No, that's really it's completely true what you're saying, and that whole idea of we live in a kind of generation. Like I work with startups every day, uh, kind of in my I suppose uh, day job, and I absolutely love it. Like the passion that they have, the side hustles that they want to make into their full time career, like you guys have done, turned a passion into an amazing business. So moving on to that. So talk to me about the Sing Project, because of course, that is a passion for both of you. Um, how did that start? Because it captured the attention of a lot of people, media coverage, an amazing exhibition. What made you start it? Yeah.
2: Um, so, we, so we've we got an, an agent who, um, who kind of represents us for our photography and film work. And our agent at the time, um said that we we need to create some personal work right so as a as a photographer and even as a director you if you do side projects that kind of show people a little bit more about what your interests are and what you're into is great for commissioners and art buyers to get to know you uh it's a great way for them to get to know you a bit better so a lot of time when you're getting booked for work people won't look at your commissioned work that you got paid to do they'll look at the stuff that you've done yourself to really get get to know the inner workings of, a, of the creative, right? So our agent said, look, you need to do something, you know, really based on who you are, because we're two brown boys in an industry dominated by middle-class, to upper-class, white, uh, middle-aged men, right? And, yep. you know, trying to do something, he said, try to do something that reflects who you are. So we had different ideas. We were thinking, okay, obviously we're Indian, you know, we're, we're you know, we are born and raised in Southall. You know, what can we do that really shows who we are? We told his ideas." And then nothing seemed to stick until one day we were coming back from a shoot and we were in Shoreditch in a cab. And we started to notice the amount of guys who were, having, who were wearing really long beards and growing these beards. And, you know, these are guys of different backgrounds, races, ages. And obviously this is in 2013. This is when it was a big trend to grow these long beards. And we thought, you know, these guys are obviously seeing this as a fashion statement, a, a, a way to uh, um, you know, ex- exhibit their identity and who they are. But obviously our people, Sikh men, have been growing their beards for hundreds of years. And it's, for them, it's not a fashion, it's, it's, it's integral to their identity. So we thought, why not do a project where we kind of photograph Sikh men and show how the beard and obviously then the turban, uh, how it's worn by modern Sikh men, right? And initially, it was going to be maybe 10 to 15 images that would sit on our, on our website, right? We wanted to photograph it in a different way than you would see online because we... We Googled Sikh men, you know, portrait, and then back back in the day, then 2013, all you would see are these stock images of like, yeah. you know, a shape sat in a cab or in a, in a corner shop or on a farm in, in the Punjab. Now, if you do it, it'll be our images, but then it yeah. was it was it was these these really, kind of really lame stock images. So we thought, look, we've got to do it in a studio because there's no studio shots, and we've got to really make them stylized to represent our style of photography. So. Initially, you know, nobody wanted to be involved. You know, we used to say to people, look, you know, we want to do this project about the Sikh men and the, and the turban and the beard, um, do you want to be involved? And no, no one understood it, right? I remember I went to the Gudwara, the temple, and I, I spoke to um, the kind of head of the Gudwara and said, look, you know, would it be a right to put up a sign to say, you know, basically, Sikh men wanted, yeah. and they just, they just refused. So I had to, I had to grab, my, uh, grab my granddad, take him down to the studio, Shot, we shot this portrait of him edited it put it on an ipad and literally went on the street went to like any place where a lot of Sikh men would gather the the, the, the you know uh, super things pizza which is down the road from our, our house all these <laughs> places where there would be people and literally showed this image hey like, look we're creating this project we're looking for you know 10 to 15 guys would you be would you uh want to be involved and when they saw the image they were like wow I ain't never seen anything like this you know so then we started to get some momentum and we we got like 10 15 guys together photographed them and then create this Facebook page and just kind of put on one image and all we wrote was the sing project coming soon dot 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 nice. and it blew up like everybody started sharing it it got so many shares it was crazy so in a matter of like a week we had a thousand likes like a thousand followers and P- and I put on another image and again it would blow up no one had seen this right um so so that was the initial that was the start of it and you know we had these 15 images and we were happy our agents were happy and we were like great that's done but we just started getting so many inquiries and people saying look you know what are you doing with this what are you gonna are you gonna shoot anymore you know where can we see these so we were thinking hmm, this could potentially be something bigger than we had thought so we shot yeah. some more people end up shooting 35 in total and um and our agent said look you know why don't you guys put on an exhibition? And we had never put on an exhibition before. Um, didn't know too much about exactly how it, how much it would cost. So we did a did a Kickstarter campaign, aimed to raise seven and a half grand. Um, End up raising ten and a half. You know, we raised wow. the money within like you know a week uh, of the thirty day time period, and we put on this exhibition. And it, it went down the storm. The press was fantastic. International press coverage. All you know, we were on the BBC World News. We were on you know TV, radio. And everyone was talking about these images of the Sikh men. And and it it was it was fantastic. It really it definitely helped our career. But it, it we this was four years ago. We thought okay, that would be the end of it, but it, it just kept on going. I, I mean I could go through the whole story, but I'm sure you probably want to dissect it and break it down. But um that was that was in essence the Singh project was the UK side because we've got a US side of the project as well, but the UK side was the Singh project and these thirty five men that we photographed and ended up showing in in the gallery in central London and, the, and then the South Bank Centre and City Hall and um, and you know loads of different places
1: so it was a fantastic experience. I think um I think what Naroop's saying is we went from 50 cents to 50 things very quickly yeah. um, so uh, it was quite nice to actually see you know the same studio where we shoot all of these stars and celebrities and actually having you know these guys in there and giving them the same treatment you know making them look super cool I mean for me looking back some of the highlights were you know these guys gathering around the screen nudging each other and you could just see it in their eyes like I mean they were so excited I don't think they were like tinder pictures or anything but I mean they were like <laughs> they were like you could see it like they were hyped you and they were excited and it was just it was, it was it's a lot of a lot of great memories you know and um, a lot of tea and a lot of samosa as well so yeah good times definitely.
0: I bet lots of samosa going around there and like <laughs> tell me about the tell me about the exhibition because obviously it was in the UK in London which is huge I mean to get a exhibition spot firstly is it takes a lot of work um takes kind of a lot of coverage as well to kind of get into that space already but then is it is the other one based in New York is that right? So,
2: so what we did so the, the UK exhibition was our first exhibition and we um, we end up hiring a gallery called the Framer's Gallery, which is in Fitsovia. And, you know, we were hoping that, you know, people would come down. We had done, we had put um, an invite on them. We had put it up on our Facebook page, the Sistine Project Facebook page, and the attendance was amazing. And the private view, which is like, uh, every exhibition usually has a private view. It's like three hours where you invite select guests media etc and that was rammed it was wow. it was so full that there was condensation dripping off the prints, wow. <laughs> right it was it was it was winter but yet it was so many people in this space so i was running around wiping down these prints with like tissue in the cloth looking like a madman but you know if they if if i hadn't wiped them down the prints would have got ruined right and these were the prints were expensive so it, the, that first exhibition just got so much interest. So then then the South Bank got in touch. And I said, look, can you exhibit um, at the South Bank Center? City Hall got in touch. Um, all these uh, advertising agencies asked for us to display our work within their agencies, which is a real privilege because, you know, they're our clients at the end of the day. And we started getting a lot of um, people, organizations, companies from around the world asking us to do uh, uh, similar projects within their country, right? and this, now this, it had taken us a year and a half to get all this together and we were literally creatively and physically fatigued from having done this project and so the idea of doing it all over again but was scary for us right especially because we it, it, it wasn't a money-making thing we made no money from it it was a labor of love yeah. um and then, and then there was the one organization in america called the Sikh coalition who who uh who was speaking to us about doing one in America, and it sounded exciting because America's obviously a great place to exit work and a great way way place to get new work. But again, we just we just weren't ready. We weren't in that space. But they got in touch a year later and explained the rationale of, as to why they believed we needed to do it there. And and once they told us what the, what their their reason was, we kind of accepted. So within the UK, the project was always about identity. And it still is, it's not a religious project. And we try to tell yeah. people that, that it's not a project about Sikhism in terms of the religion, it's purely uh, a project about identity. And, and in this case, the Sikh identity. So the, in, the, in the UK, the project purely was, was there to exhibit the wonderful way these men these men uh, wear their term of beard. But in the US, it needs to become a little bit more of an educational piece as to why Sikhs have chosen to have a beard um and and a turban as part of their identity and and the u s also we also included women for the first time so it was it was a total different uh it was a different it was a different uh experience doing that but then we kind of this is where it gets confusing we kind of transformed the name from the sing project because that was only men to the sikh project because then it included women too so but the 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 American side of it was really really exciting because it was a it was a massive step up to what we had already done in the u k
0: yeah. And I think that kind of what kind of catapulted the coverage of this and maybe, um, I suppose, is this how Turbans and Tails kind of started off? Was that because of yeah. the coverage from uh, UK and US? Like what made you want to create the book? I mean, if you guys don't know, who, who people who are listening, these guys were in uh, Times over the weekend, a really great piece. Um, did you think the project would get this much attention for you to then go on to create Turbans and Tails?
1: Well, what was what was really interesting, so while we were out in New York at the exhibition, we actually had a Kickstarter campaign running. Now, this time, it was to fund the book, not the exhibition, because we, we've always wanted to do a book, and we felt, you know, the exhibitions are great, but we want to create something that can be shared more around the world and, and almost become a part of history. So, in our heads, we're thinking, right, you know, we've done Kickstarter once, you know, it'll work again. Now, when we were out in America, for some reason, we didn't manage to hit our target. So, we were... It was kind of a roller coaster in, in one respect we were we were buzzing and we were high. We we're like, Yeah, we've got a fantastic exhibition in New York, which is great. But at the same time we're like, we're not gonna be able to produce this book. So it was a really difficult one, but something very, very special and interesting happened. So at the launch night, the Seat Coalition of Fantastic, they invited some incredible people to the launch and they they worked closely with the Ford Foundation. Now the Ford Foundation are one of the biggest philanthropists in America, they're all about protecting the uh, civil rights and uh, and protecting humanity around the world. And we were fortunate enough to meet Darren Walker, who's the president of the Ford Foundation. So Darren steps into the launch and I start giving him the talk. You know, Darren and I are talking and he's in love with the picture. He's a, he's a great collector of the arts and we get into it. I'm asking him his favorite pictures, about his history, his background, what he stands for. And he says, what about you, Amit? What's your next big challenge? And I said, Darren, I said, you know, we want to make a book, but unfortunately we haven't been able to fund it. So we had a conversation and I got an email a few days later from Darren. And Darren said, we at the Ford Foundation believe in you so much. We're going to fund the book for wow. you. How much money do you need? And we were like blown oh away. My God. Like, wow. Like what What are the odds of this, you know, happening? Amazing. So we were just yeah, you know, the, the, the check came to us and then we we passed it to our publishers and then we were like yeah we're gonna we're gonna do a book now. I remember Narup and I sitting in the meeting room with the publishers and they were like guys what are you gonna what are you gonna call the book? And then all of a sudden it was gonna call you're gonna call it the Seek Project, but no, yeah, yeah, so we were talking about the different names and then we just look at each other and we're like at the same time turbans and Tails and it was like oh bang. bang we both said <laughs> and we were like and the publishers going. Yeah, I dig that. That's <laughs> cool. Like, yeah, done. Next, All right? So, the Tales when's it out. So yeah, it went from there. And we just, you know, we put a lot, of, lot of work into the book. And but it's, it's a really important business lesson as well. You know that that we've learned that. You know, if you do have a passion and a dream, don't expect everyone in the world to believe in it. You know. Yeah. Sometimes it's more important that a select few of the key people believe in it. And then you can kind of, you know, get the backing you need from there. It's kind of almost Dragon's Den style as well, as, Mm -hmm. if you like. You know, like, it's not everyone's cup of tea, but as long as you get someone who believes in you, and I think everyone at some stage in their life needs someone to believe in them. And for us, it was, you know, the Seat Coalition and Darren at, at the Ford Foundation, they took the time to believe in us and we're you know we're super excited to to get these books out to them and, and share them with the world so happy times busy times but very very happy times at the same time for us
0: yeah it looks like a really exciting kind of book and obviously all about the journey that you guys have been on as well um with these amazing kind of seek individuals from across the world so Kind of just last point on terms and tales. What's been one of the most interesting stories uh, for you guys of anyone that you photographed? I suppose uh, that could be part of the sing project as well. Um, so there was one guy who was shot in America.
2: His name was Uh Huddy Singh, right? He's a white, um, white guy who who um, decided to follow Sikhism, and um, his real name is Kevin Harrington, and he's been um. He's been wearing a turban. He's had a beard for a long, long time. But he was a a New York subway train driver. Wow. So one day he was driving his train, and it came to a, a abrupt halt. Right, and um, you know the alarm bells started going off. The tunnel started shaking, and he didn't know what was going on. But what happened was uh, over overground, the, the Twin Towers had just uh, been hit by the planes, and he was directly under the Twin Towers on nine eleven. So he managed to reverse the train and get all these guys, all the passengers to safety. It was all to him, but because the media had started putting these images of men with turbos and beards and calling them terrorists, a few weeks later he told no longer operate the subway train because of his identity. And bear in mind, this guy had been doing it for uh, you know a long time. He had to use the legal advice that the seat coalition offer. And um, and he was able to get his his ruling overturned. But I think I just think that's a really powerful and interesting story. How how you know, one minute you, you're branded a hero, the next minute you can be branded yeah. a terrorist because of the way you look. So those are, I mean, that that, that that's probably one of the more dramatic. Um, you know, it's a sad story, but it's got a, a happy ending, I guess. Yeah. Um, but is is one of those kind of stories that really makes you think twice about you know the way people are perceived because of their identity but in the book we've got 76 different stories of you know nice. one for each of, each of the subjects and you know they they range from being you know positive uh, uplifting some of them are heartbreaking as well especially in America where you know Sikhs still face a lot of persecution and, and prejudice every day because of their identity because they're so misunderstood um, yeah. I just think is is an important book for people uh, to read but also like it's got 38,000 words in the book, so it's not just a, it's not just a, a photography book. There's a whole chapter with uh, about the history of the turban and unpublished photos of nice. of um, uh, early Sikhs and their turbans and how the turban today, how the design actually came in came into play. Like a lot of people don't know where they who came up with their style of turban, and I'm yeah. not gonna spoil it for any readers, but I just think it's a, a very interesting read for even for people who think they know a lot about
0: the, um, uh, the Sikh identity yeah definitely and kind of back to that point what you were making kind of in america it's around that whole education piece it's not just kind of awareness of um, individuals with a different sort of identity within Sikhism, but it is that education piece that you have to kind of put forward as well um yeah really interesting stuff so what are the plans for 2019 then so obviously you've got your book launch coming up in january um which i'll also be there so really excited for that um yeah.
1: Our plan. So, yeah, I mean, the book, the book obviously is going on at the moment, which is fantastic, but we're so busy at the moment with our, you know, our day-to-day commercial work, Um, just, just carrying on working with fantastic brands, fantastic startups. And just, we just want to keep, keep pushing the boundaries of what we do, but we, we have a calling to help more people, you know, and so many businesses today have, have the same challenge, you know, they have a, they have a great business, but often their weak links can be, you know, their social media, their content creation. And and what we really specialize in, in is is coming in and looking at a business and, say, and saying what they're great at and, and helping them with that. So it's kind of like, we're kind of like the cousins of, you uh, know, you get the cousins that come to a Christmas party. That's us two, basically. So we've got loads of people that we work with that we've almost become extensions of their businesses for them. So that's the really exciting thing. And I think for us, even now if we look back six months ago our business plan our business model is constantly evolving and I think the thing with us both is that we're we're not shy to to seize opportunities so if someone asks us how's this next year going to look out you know we honestly can't say like we've got we're fortunate we've got so much work booked in but I think that with our skill set also that we are starting to you know to to head into different areas and different fields as well that are all extensions of of what we do with the photography and film so it's, it's super exciting times I mean we would love to do what you do in all honesty with the podcast we love to we love talking to people we love finding out what makes them tick but again time is our biggest challenge at the moment but um yeah who knows let's let's see where this year takes us it's been a great year so far how about yourself what's the plan
0: um so I mean obviously I work for a kind of uh, company called Enterprise Nation and it's all about very similar to uh, kind of helping startups and small businesses Mm. grow and scale their idea um so yeah my passion is really with startups and that passion project that they have and turning that side hustle into a career for themselves essentially but yeah Girls in Movement is something that I want to take even further so in uh, april time we're heading to shimla to go uh, meet a couple of schools and start taking the project kind of live in india as well so that's kind of a big step because obviously eight nine months just drumming up some like uh, ideas around the project and i suppose there's there's no kind the end goal is of course to help as many people as possible but what happens in between is is exciting as well so so yeah
1: excellent exciting time too. yeah great.
0: And kind of final question to both of you. So I love asking my guests this. Um, if you could give your younger self any advice, what would it be? So to yourself, Naruto first.
1: Um,
2: I've got a couple. I mean, the first thing I would say is never rely on other people. Far yeah. From me. Yeah, and I don't, I don't. I don't mean that. I don't mean that in a in a way like, oh, everyone's gonna let you down and everyone's against you. It's not that, it's, it's you could never really take your foot off the gas and pass, uh, pass over responsibility to somebody else. And the reason I say it is that to get a photography and a film rep is very, very difficult. A good photography film rep, you know, to get you the kind of big ad jobs that we do. And uh, when we first got signed, you know maybe this is maybe seven years into our career we got so excited and thought we'd made it that we kind of took our foot off the gas and that kind of that that inner uh, drive that we had you know that that hustle it kind of I guess we kind of let that go a bit because we thought we'd made it and now the agent was going to take over and that cost us um, because yeah we got some jobs in quite quick initially but after that we weren't shooting as much as we felt we needed to and we can't blame our agents. It's down to us having not just, having not kept up that same level of hustle that we had before. So I would say never, no matter what what situation you're in, no matter if you get funding for your your business or you get you get the best business partner or whatever happens, you still got to go with it. Go go with your um, with full enthusiasm and and all your effort. You know, you never stop. There's never a moment where you take your foot off the gas and you think I've made it. That doesn't exist because even when you're at the top you've got to fight to stay at the top. So that that was one thing I'd say. And the second I would second another quick point, I, I would say like you've got to treat time like money. Like time is the most valuable commodity that we have and people put money in front of time where it's so much more people can achieve than they believe they can, but they just need to prioritize and and you know, I'm thirty eight years old. Um you uh, know we start, started this when I was twenty three and I just remember you know, looking back, there's so much time that I could have, been, could have put to better use, um, but I didn't really have anybody there to tell me these things. So that's why uh, my younger cousins, I just kind of continually tell them, like, guys, no, you could be my age driving a Lamborghini, just like, put your mind to it and, uh, um, and, and, get, and get to work, you know? And it's not like, no, I want everybody around me to do what they love, and, but yeah. doing what you love it's easy to say but hard to do and um you want to make a living from it so you've got to be willing to outwork everybody else and that means you know weekends don't really exist you've got you've got to hustle so those would be my things that
1: i would tell myself nice and what Um, about you my advice advice to my younger self um power of a mentor really really important we're fortunate the last only really the last seven years we've really started taking mentors on board and, and really listening to advice, we're privileged to be mentored by a fantastic man, a, a chap called Rene Carriol who's one of the world's top leadership experts. And we've learned so much from Rene and his key message has always been, you know, focus on your strengths, focus on what you're great at. And I think in our younger years, you know, we jumped from one thing to another to another and we didn't really didn't really focus on what we were great at we tried to be all-rounders but no one's really an all-rounder so I think the learnings are you know even when I meet young people now where even older people are starting a business I love looking at them and almost cutting through the noise and just focusing on what they're great at and I think that's always a great way of 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 building something successful because if you really if you really hone in on those skills you know you can get them to a serious serious standard so yeah that's my advice and And also the the friends you keep, you know, really, really important, that network around you. You know, we hear the saying, you know, you'll be the average of of your five friends or the five people you spend the most time around with. So that's another really important learning for me. It's just, you know, protect yourself and just just be aware that, you know, culture is more powerful than strategy. You know, people that you do surround yourself with. Um, do have a really really big impact on you so lots of learnings but we will never stop learning and um, yeah it's been a journey.
0: So huge thank you to Amit and Roop for joining us on the show and as always the podcast today will be live on iTunes, it will be live on YouTube, social media um, and we'll tag Amit and Roop's. podcast. pages for turbans and tails uh the sing project and any other projects that they're doing in the future so thank you again guys um and we'll see you on the next episode thank you
1: thank you so much for having us it's been good fun